Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love a little audience interaction here. Helps me know you're paying attention. Um, and welcome everybody online. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Um, wasn't worship amazing this morning? You know, it's just everything about what happened there and even just this prayer and video, I think is just pulling right in to the word that I believe the Lord has for us today. And you know, when we hear the word of God, it's important that we position our hearts to receive. Amen. Because you're not up here to hear a man. You're here to hear a man deliver the word of God. I'm not one, I don't want to give you my words today. I want to give you the word of God because that is living and active. That is powerful. It divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it unveils, it judges the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And it delivers us. So let's pray. Let's position our hearts to receive from the word of the Lord this morning. If you're joining us online, I just encourage you as well. Open up your hands. Um, um, and uh, let's receive from God right now. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given us these scriptures, Lord, that have recorded your words from, uh, from, from, from just hundreds, th- even thousands of years of history of redemption. And that God, that 2,000 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, that we're still reading these words and receiving them and receiving the life that they have for us today. I ask God for our hearts to be made ready for your coming. The Lord says, I am coming. Get ready. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and open to Hebrews chapter 10 today. That's going to be our main scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22 is where we're going to lock in. Hebrews is kind of right in the middle of the New Testament after a number of Paul's letters. I say that to remind you and myself as I'm looking for it right now. There it is. Hebrews chapter 10. I love the book of Hebrews. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I think that there is just, there's so much of the glory of who Jesus is in this book and the glory of the new covenant. You know, because we all have access to God the Father through the new covenant that is inaugurated through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's read about it for a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, say a new and living way, That is, uh, um, by a new living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And if you've been here for a few years, you've probably heard me reference it more than a few times. Um, This is talking about why we can even approach God in the first place. You know, we've just spent this time in worship. We heard a great testimony from our friend John Luver about how he experiences the Lord in the prayer room. And you know that that's your inheritance is to encounter God. You know that it's your inheritance to behold the glory of Jesus, to be in his presence and have your heart soaked in his love and the power of his Holy Spirit. 
Jesus prayed in John 17, 24, Father, I desire that they be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory, which you have given me for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So just think about that for a minute, that before the foundation of the world, that Jesus is the eternal son. You know, there was a moment in history where the word of God, where the son of God took on flesh, where he became a human being and he made his dwelling among us. But in eternity past, I mean, Jesus has no beginning here, folks. And he had, he shared an, an eternal glory with the father fought long before the foundation of the world was laid. And that the prayer and the desire of Jesus, and that's important to note, that it's not only his desire and his will, but it's his prayer to the Father that that will would be accomplished. And how many of you know that when Jesus prays a prayer that the Father answers? It's his Son. The Father hears his Son. And so that eternal glory that the Son shared with the Father from even before the beginning... <laughs> because he has no beginning, he's inviting you and I into that glory. You and me, proper grammar. He's inviting you and me into that glory. Someone online, you know, or someone in this room is like an English major. And like, you know, they're, they're no, no, no. <laughs> I can explain to you why me is grammatically correct, but I won't, I won't do that today. And why, you know, use whom instead of who, you know, it's a, there are actually rules for that. But um, anyway, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, Hebrews chapter 19 says that we have confidence to enter into the most holy place. We have confidence to go there. You know, the devil likes to lie to us. The devil's a liar. How many of you know that the devil lies? <laughs> How many of you like being lied to? No, we don't like being lied to. We don't like being lied to by our government, by the media, by people from the pulpit, and Let God be proved true and every man a liar. Um, God's word is true, folks. The devil is the father of lies. Anytime you hear a lie, you know that's from Satan. That he has planted that into somebody and spoken through them. When Peter tried to rebuke Jesus, tell him, no, you're not going to the cross, Jesus. He says, get behind me, Satan. A lie had entered into Peter's heart and had come out of his mouth. But Jesus knew it was from the father of lies. You know, the, the devil doesn't like us to enter into the presence of God and to encounter God. He doesn't. Why? Because that's where we get transformed. That's where we get free of the sin that so easily entangles. That's where we get free of the devil's grip. Because in the presence of God, you start melting in his love. You start declaring his goodness when everything the devil is throwing at you is denying the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You get there and you, you settle in your heart and you confess with your mouth, God, you are good. God, you are faithful. And it penetrates your innermost being and it sets you free of every lie of the devil. You've got to settle it in your heart that the Father is good. That's why we sing that song. It's with you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. 
It's when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God is good and God is faithful. Well, this situation in life seems to tell me otherwise, Matthew. I've been through something really difficult this past year, this past two years or 10 years ago or when I was growing up. Where was the goodness and the faithfulness of God at that time? You know, that's actually a good question for the Lord. And you know that you can have confidence to enter the holy place and ask him that question. And he'll listen. And he'll respond. He may not respond right in that moment, but he will respond. And you settle in your heart. Father, you are good. I don't understand what's going on right now or what happened to me in that moment. I didn't know, I don't know where you were, but God, I'm settling in my heart that you are good, that you are faithful. So we have confidence to enter the most holy place, to enter this beauty realm of God. I mean, what is this? What does the holy place look like? It looks like Revelation chapter four. It looks like one seated on a throne who is brilliant as gemstones, a shining, like a shining jasper or, or, or this carnelian stone. What's that? Think of this diamond beauty dazzling before your eyes. The most pure, perfect light you can possibly imagine. Not only a light that you can see and behold, but a light that, that penetrates your innermost being and drives out every lie and every bit of darkness that the enemy has tried to plant on the inside of you. It looks like this emerald rainbow surrounding his throne, speaking of his covenant of mercy towards us. It looks like these giant four living beings with eyes all around crying out, holy, 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 day and night and never getting bored. You ever get bored in worship or in the prayer room? You just pray this prayer, God, show me what those living creatures are saying. You open up Revelation chapter four and you say, God, I may not see this with my naked eye right now, but with the eyes of my heart and with the eyes of faith, I can come into this holy place and see this beautiful God that sits on a throne. We have access by a new and living way. Through the torn flesh and the spilled blood of Jesus, our great high priest, If we're in Christ, we can encounter God. We can behold his glory and be transformed. I'm going to take a little pause for a minute. As you see up here, we have a big horse trough covered in fancy blankets. It's it's not for a sermon demonstration, but I guess it kind of is um, because we'll be doing baptisms at the end of service um, today. And um, there may be some people in this room that have not been baptized. You've given your life to Jesus, you love Jesus, you've believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but you actually haven't gotten water baptized. Um, I'm going to be incorporating this into my message about why this is important, but it's, it's, I just want to open up that invitation as, as if, you know, when Peter got up and preached, the word of God pierced the hearts of 3,000 people and all of them were baptized in one day. 
They did not have a change of clothes with them. So if today the Holy Spirit pierces your heart and you're saying, what must I do to be saved? Or I am saved, but I haven't been baptized. I want you to come up and get baptized today. And we're going to make a confession with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're going to dunk you and you're going to come up new. And it's this new and living way where we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus and washed with pure water that we have confidence to enter this holy place. Um, we're going to come back to Hebrews 10, 19 in a few moments, but um, I want to give you a little summary here of Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10. Um, just some key points. You can go back and read them. I was tempted to just have us read multiple scriptures from everything, but um, I'm just going to give us a summary instead. Um, what's happening in Hebrews 8 through 10, and really the whole book of Hebrews, is that it's driving this point that under through Jesus, we have a better covenant than the covenant God made with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai through Moses. You know, that covenant came with exceeding glory. It was inaugurated by angels, the scriptures say. And God was on that mountain in lightning and thundering and voices and everybody, two million people, the Bible says about 500 plus thousand, but that's just counting the men. You double that with your wives, that's a million. You add some children in there, roughly two million is probably how we're going, just to let you know those numbers. It could be less, it could be more. Um, you know, they had a lot of kids back then. Um, so anyway, roughly two million people are hearing the voice of God thunder under this old covenant through Moses who was the mediator of that covenant, that had great promises. I mean, you read Deuteronomy, there's some good promises there. God's going to bless your bread basket. How many of you still carry those? Um, God's going to bless your pantry. God's going to bless your refrigerator. He's going to bless your deep freeze. He's going to bless you on the fishing trip. He's going to bless you on the hunt. You know, He's going to bless you and everything you set your hand to. There's so many amazing promises that come under that old covenant through Moses at Mount Sinai. But under Jesus, we have a better covenant based on better promises that has a better sacrifice, a better cleansing, and better access into the holy place. That's what Hebrews 8 through 10 is telling us. The it does a contrast between the old covenant that was mediated through Moses and the new covenant that was mediated through Jesus Christ. And this is important to get because it, it sets us free. The devil wants you living over here in the old way. This old way is passed away. This new and living way will never pass away. And this is the way that God is inviting us and reminding us to lay hold of so that we may enter in with confidence to the holy place. So how does it contrast? How does Hebrews contrast the old covenant and the new covenant? The old covenant, it's imperfect. It could never make people perfect. It had a list of 613 commandments for people to follow. And it gave the commandment and it gave the condemnation 
but it, it didn't in itself. It was holy and just and good. But what the devil did is he took that commandment and used the commandment of God, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He took it and he used that to tempt us even more to do those things that the law says not to do. And the law being holy and just and good, it condemned us for committing those sins. You know, and Jesus doesn't hold back on that. He says, not only is adultery sin, but if you lust with your eyes, you commit adultery in your heart. And it's like, ugh, that's, that's why we need the new and living way. You know? um, but this imperfect way, it was temporary and it's passing away. Again, it came with glory, but the new covenant, it's perfect. Not only is it perfect, it has perfecting power. The blood and the water that came out of Jesus' side, which we remember, which we, as we take the Lord's Supper, we take communion, as we get baptized, we're washed with that water and blood. And it perfects us. It, it makes it, it cleanses us from sin. It's eternal and it never passes away. The glory of this new covenant will never be replaced by another covenant. The glory of this covenant was such that Moses had to wear a veil over his face. That's how glorious it was. He comes down from that mountain shining and people only behold through a veil that glory. But when one turns to the Lord, Jesus, the veil is removed. Let's put 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 up there. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So the old covenant had a veil. The glory that came with it was under a veil. Even now, people in synagogues, Jews that do not know Jesus, when they read the Old Testament, when they read Moses, there is a veil over their eyes. And it's only by turning to Jesus that it's removed. And when we turn to Jesus, we can open up the scriptures, even the Old Testament. Believe it or not, Christians, read your Old Testament. Um, because Jesus' glory is, it's veiled to unbelievers, but those in Christ, we can see and say, God, open the eyes of my understanding. We see the glory of Jesus as we, as we read the Old Testament. We see him prophesied. We see that the, we see that the covenant of Moses was temporary, but, uh, but that, that there was a new covenant that was promised that would never pass away. And we start to see the majesty of Jesus. The Old Testament had laws written on stone, external rules to tell you how to govern and live your life. Again, these are from God. They're holy and just and good. But under the new covenant, we have the laws of God written on our hearts and on our minds. The Holy Spirit actually helps you remember what God said. As you pour over these scriptures, you meditate on them. You take them into that prayer room. You come to that holy place. You speak them back to God. The Holy Spirit is writing those words on your heart and on your mind. And he, it says in Ezekiel that I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
You know, under the old covenant, it was all human nature and effort. They asked God for help, but under the new covenant, the indwelling Holy Spirit, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit that is actually moving and conforming our will to his will so that we start wanting the things that he wants and hating the things that he hates. How many of you need a little more of wanting what God wants and hating what he hates? Let's ask him right now. God, move our hearts, Father. Send your Holy Spirit. Cause us to walk in your statutes. Cause us to desire the things that you love. Cause us to hate the things that you hate. Deliver us, O God, of every lie and entanglement of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not finished. Under the old covenant, there were imperfect sacrifices. The blood of bulls, the blood of goats. I mean, you ever get Leviticus? I mean, it's just like, you know, worse than the Hunger Games and that thing. It's like, it's just bloody. There's lots of blood going on. Um, and it's, and it's, it's something God commanded them to do, but it was an external cleansing. They could only wash them externally and cleanse them externally. And I mean, it was definitely external. I mean, they were, Moses was there sprinkling the blood over all those, you know, all the Israelites, two million, however many people were there. I mean, that's a lot of blood. Um, under the new covenant, we have the blood of Christ. A more, a perfect sacrifice. You see, under the old covenant, it says that the blood of goats and bulls could never achieve the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because it was purely external. But under the new covenant, the blood of Christ, it does an internal cleansing of the conscience, cleanses us of sin and the guilt associated with sin. Anytime the enemy tries to condemn you, you know what? You just declare the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You just let that wash over, that wash away all that guilt and shame and condemnation. It is a perfect cleansing and it only took one death, one death. He died one time to perfect us forever. Praise Jesus. Give him glory. We thank you, Jesus. A perfect cleansing. And he says, I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. You know, those Old Testament sacrifices, they actually reminded people of their sins. It reminded every time they shed that blood, day in, day out, year by year, it reminded them that they had sins that needed to be dealt with, but it couldn't cleanse. But the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our great and high priest, for one time, one time has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It has accomplished a perfect cleansing such that our sins are forgiven and our sins are forgotten by God. Do you know that God can forget things that he wants to? He doesn't forget you, but he forgets your sins. God doesn't forget you, but he does forget your sins if you come to him through Jesus Christ. The new and living way. This is why we have confidence. 
Under the old covenant, they had high priests that died all the time. I mean, that was the one guy that could go into the most holy place and atones for the sins of the people. You know, if he dies before the day of atonement, he dies before that one day a year where a giant red bull is sacrificed for his sins and the sins of the people. He dies right before it's like, oh man, you got to put someone in real quick. And that, those high priests, you may like that guy. You're like, man, he's, he's gone. He can't, he doesn't intercede for me anymore in the same way as that high priest. But Jesus, our great and high priest, has the power of an indestructible life, has risen from the dead, has forever defeated death, has rendered powerless the one who had power over death. That's the devil. And he eternally makes intercession for us. You know that he didn't just die on the cross. You know that he actually got up from the dead and defeated death forever. You know that he didn't only rise from the dead, but he ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he continually, daily, day in, day out, makes intercession for you and for me. Jesus is praying for us right now, right in this moment. He's leading a whole worship session in heaven And the saints that have gone before us, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, are there worshiping God and they're hearing Jesus intercede for you and me. And they have the prayers of the saints, the bulls in heaven. And I believe with all my heart that those saints that have gone before us, they are crying out for us. And they're saying, God, bring Matthew into the fullness of what you have for him. Because that's what they hear Jesus praying. Insert your name in there. Jesus and the saints crying out for you to become perfect because without us, they're not perfect. They're not complete. They're waiting for us and they're cheering us on, that great cloud of witnesses. In the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the high priest entered the holiest place of an earthly tabernacle. It was a mere shadow and copy of the real one. They only entered it once a year. And it was man-made. Even, even though it was given by God, it was something built by human hands. And one man had to go behind a veil. Nobody else but the high priest could enter through that veil and plead on behalf of the people. But under the new covenant, Jesus has entered the real sanctuary, the heavenly tabernacle. His, I mean, I just imagine this. You get Acts chapter two, where Jesus ascends in this great cloud of glory. And you get, it was like, where is he going? They didn't see where he went. But then Revelation four tells you where he went. (laughs) And so that great cloud that takes up Jesus in Acts chapter two, takes him into Revelation 4 before this father that sits on the throne, brilliant as gemstones, and he's seated at the right hand of the father. That's where Jesus went. And he went as a forerunner before us so that we could go and follow him. Do you know that it says that you not only died with Christ, but you've been risen with him and raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. That you and I are seated in Revelation 4 and 5. I'm telling you, get in that prayer room. What do I do in the prayer room? I just sit there, open up Revelation 4 and 5 because that's where you are 
Well, I don't feel like it. Well, that's what God says. And so by faith, I'm gonna enter in with confidence into this holiest place by this new and living way. We have confidence. You see, Jesus, he tore the veil. He actually tore the veil of both the earthly temple and the heavenly temple. We're not, um, I'm not gonna read everything exactly, but you can mark this down. Matthew 27. Actually, yeah, let's turn there. We've got a slide. I just love this verse. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 53. Jesus is on the cross in this moment. He's, he's nailed. I mean, the nails are in his hands and his feet. He's got the, the, um, the lashings. And he's there on the cross and it says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. It's not a whisper. Jesus cried out and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple, that's the earthly temple, was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross that actually people already rose from the dead and started walking around? Here's his next verse. Coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. I mean, this is just a a foretaste of his second coming. And his first coming... I mean, that, that, the, the earth shook, the veil split, tombs broke open. When Jesus comes back, every dead person in the ground will be raised. Every tomb will be split open and all of us all will be raised up and, and, and caught up in the air to meet the Lord. I mean, guys, seriously. And we're going to be walking around in some new and improved bodies. Amen. I mean, it's like, Thank you, God, for what we have now, but thank you, Lord, for what's better and what's coming. Amen? It's like Kerrygold butter. It's better than all the other butters. That new resurrected body is better than all the old bodies. Love Kerrygold. So his death, um, it tore the earthly veil, which was a symbol of what was happening in the spirit. And that takes us back to Hebrews 10, verse 19. Let's look at it again. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, say confidence, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The veil of the heavenly tabernacle that was built by God, not by men, was the flesh of Jesus. And at the cross, that flesh was torn and access to this most holy place was granted to us. The blood and the water that came out of his side, it cleansed us from an evil conscience. It did an inward cleansing, but it washed 
our bodies with pure water. You know, under the new covenant, you get both an internal and an external cleansing. Folks are getting baptized today. You know, the Bible talks about sins that defile the body. All sins defile the conscience, but sexual sins defile our body. And the enemy uses the old covenant to bring, to accuse us and to bring condemnation and shame to us when we commit sexual sin. But I'm telling you, Jesus made provision so that you could be washed, that your body, that defilement that came over you, whether you committed sexual sin or sexual sin was committed against you in some way, you can be washed and you can be clean. If you have been baptized in water before, I'm telling you, you are clean. You have been cleansed. And I want you to have confidence today because I tell you that devil is such a liar. He is so evil that he uses something holy and just and good, the law, the old covenant, to distance you from God, to accuse you and to tell you you're not worth it. You're not worth entering into his most holy place and those lies just overcome you. But under this new covenant, Jesus is telling you, come. Let him who is thirsty, come. Do you wanna be washed? Do you wanna be cleansed? Come, let's do it. Wait on the Holy Spirit for a minute. Just open our hearts. Lord, we love you. If we can get some instrumental music playing, I just want to let the Holy Spirit do some ministry in our hearts for a few moments. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this glorious new covenant that we have through your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, for the bold and confident access that we have to enter into that holiest place. With, with our eyes closed here for a few more moments if, if you have been struggling with condemnation a guilt or shame like you know Jesus you've been baptized you've received the Holy Spirit but you've just the devil has been lying to you and those things have been exposed today as actual lies and you just you, you're like God I'm, I'm here to settle my heart and confess what your word says that I can come in boldly. You're here to reject those lies today. If that's you, I just want you to lift both hands in the air. It's an act of surrender to the Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
going to pray for you for a moment. If, there, if you're online, if the devil has been lying to you, condemning you, keeping you from entering into the presence of God, which is your inheritance, I just want you to lift your hands too, wherever you are. It's an act of surrender to him. I'm going to pray for you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your truth, the word of God that has pierced hearts today. As those lifting their hands, they're not only saying, Lord, I've been believing a lie, but they're saying, Lord, I'm ready to believe the truth. I'm ready to confess the truth. I'm ready to let you wash away guilt and shame and condemnation. I'm ready to come in with confidence into the most holy place. Come now, Father. Touch them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Let these words that I've proclaimed from your word penetrate their hearts and wash away and break down every lie. I just declare every lie of condemnation over the people of God is broken now in the name of Jesus. I declare that every lying spirit that has been coming up against these that have raised their hands, I say, shut your mouth now in the name of Jesus. Have these not been like a brand plucked from the fire? Have I not washed and cleansed them, says the Lord? Let these words, if your hands are lifted up, let them, let your heart receive these words from God right now. He says, I have washed you. I have cleansed you by the blood of my son. And I have washed you with pure water, the water of a new covenant, a water that came out of the side of my son, a water and a blood that perfects and cleanses you forever. And hear these words of Jesus right to your heart. Where are your accusers? I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Stay in that posture of receiving. It's going to speak a few words to us here. You see the Lord, when he says, I don't condemn you, it's, it's broken, it's gone. And when he says, go and sin no more, it's the grace pours out from his lips into your heart to break free of whatever sin has beset you or entangled you. I want us all to stand here. We're all going to confess this together. Whether you had your hands raised or not, I want us all to declare this truth from the word of God. Some I'll be paraphrasing here as I've done, but it's, this, is, this is from the word here, not my own words. So if you'll just pray with me after this, Father in Jesus' name, I thank you for the new covenant through your son. That Father, that his blood washes and cleanses me. that his sacrifice was a perfect cleansing 
Thank you that you have washed me and made me clean. Thank you that I have confidence to enter the holy place. Because of the torn flesh of Jesus. And because he is my great high priest. Who eternally makes intercession for me. Father, strengthen my heart with boldness and confidence. I reject all guilt, shame, and condemnation. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your acceptance. And I receive your invitation into the holy place. In Jesus' name, amen.